0: You're listening to Comedy Central.
1: 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Take the dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Survivor's back, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. President
3: Biden came out and he signed an executive order today, uh, a cryptocurrency executive order, where he has ordered that the United States investigate cryptocurrency and figure out if it should be regulated or if America should create its own cryptocurrency or like what a cryptocurrency is. Yeah. And this is where you realize how crazy cryptocurrency is. Normally executive orders are like, ban all Muslims, change the economy, send money to people. And then with cryptocurrencies, like, "Uh, let's find out what like this thing is. Yeah, yeah. Should we do it? Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America. It's The Daily
0: Show, ears edition tonight. Kardashians career advice. What's an And Sandra Oh.
3: This is the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and joining me for today's headlines is the one and only Desi Lydic. What's going on, Desi? How hey, you doing?
4: Hey, I'm great. I'm great. Hey. Happy International Women's Day!
3: Right? Right. I mean, yesterday?
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, technically it it was a couple days ago, but I like to celebrate it the way I celebrate my birthday, all week long.
3: I like that. I like that. And you know what, you deserve it. Just as long as you want to celebrate it for.
4: Thank you, I'm gonna ride it out.
3: I like that, okay. I mean, your birthday is only on one day though, that's different.
4: Well, for you, but I celebrate for the entire week, top to bottom. You'll see in June.
3: I I hope not, but yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Happy birthday.
4: Thank you. All right,
3: let's jump straight into today's headlines. We kick things off with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, or as Prince William calls it, the brown thing happening to white people war. Today, Russia and Ukraine held their first high-level peace talks, but please do not get your hopes up. Not only did Russia not agree to end the war, it wouldn't even admit that it started a war. Yeah, Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, was asked if they planned to invade any other countries. And his answer was, quote, we are not planning to attack other countries and we did not attack Ukraine, end quote. Which is obviously a lie. And it's also not reassuring for the rest of Europe. Yeah, now we are not attacking Poland. Now we're not attacking Paris. Now we're not taking over the world. What are you guys complaining about, huh? And by the way, just by the way, if Lavrov is denying that Russia is attacking Ukraine, then what's he attending peace talks for, huh? What, he wants Ukraine to stop blowing up Russian missiles with their maternity wards? Get the out of here, man. So for now, the war is unfortunately continuing. And not only is the war continuing, it's even spilling over into space.
2: This morning, the International Space Station in political crosshairs as Russia retaliates against American sanctions. The head of the Russian space agency, Dmitry Rogozin, posting this video on social media threatening to abandon American astronaut Mark VandeHei at the station. He's supposed to return home on a Russian ship in just three weeks. Rogozin also making an ominous threat that without Russian help to move the ISS away from space junk, the ISS would crash into America or other countries.
3: Wow, this is wild. Russia is so mad about sanctions that it's threatening to abandon an American astronaut in space and allow the International Space Station to crash into Earth. And I mean, this is obviously a horrible threat to make, But I will admit this, I do kind of see Russia's side. I do. I'm not for Russia, but I see it. I mean, flying someone home from space is a huge favor to do, especially for an enemy, you know? It's like picking them up from the airport a million times over. And also, why didn't America get this astronaut down before this war escalated, huh? They knew he was hitching a ride on a Russian thing. This is like when you quit a job and then you storm out of the office, cursing at everyone. Yeah, suck my dick! and then you realize you left your phone behind. Oh man, oh shit. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, sir. I I didn't realize it was still charging. Yeah, but text me about sucking my You know, people, this is exactly why America needs to start some sort of military force to defend space. Think about it, right? What they could do is have it up there defending all of space on America's behalf. What, what's that? Oh, it did? And I called it the military's version of University of Phoenix? Huh, that's funny, but that doesn't sound like something I would say. Yeah, no, that's not me. Desi, would, would you fetch someone stranded in space?
4: No, no, never. I won't pick anyone up at the airport, not even my husband. My husband's been living at LaGuardia for the last three and a half months. Like that Tom Hanks movie? Sometimes I'll Venmo him for a Cinnabon, you know, just to keep the sparks alive. But no. <laughs> No. Also, this really proves my point that you have to overpack for everything because you never know. People are like, oh, don't overpack. It costs more money. It takes up more space. No, now you're stranded in space and you're going to want those two extra books in your Diva Cup. I hear you there. Not that, my, not that my Diva Cup takes up a lot of space. It's a very normal, compact item. It doesn't take up much space. You know.
3: No, I, well, I don't know. I understand.
4: Do you think you can actually use a Diva cup in space? Gravity is a tricky thing, huh? How does gravity work? Work. I'll circle back around.
3: Okay, okay, cool. Okay, I have, I have limited experience in this field, so you got that. All right, we're going to be talking more about Russia and Ukraine later on in the show, but let's move on because it turns out there is another terrifying invasion that's in the news right
2: now. Very soon, you may be seeing a massive new spider right in your own backyard. Now comes the Juro spider. Native to Asia, it was first spotted in Georgia nearly a decade ago. They've since spread across the southeast, with some using their parachute-like silks to travel in the wind. So a new study at the University of Georgia predicts the Juro spiders will make their way up the east coast this spring. It's unclear how far north they'll go, but they'll be hard to miss growing up to three inches long. And to end, that's as wide as your palm. People are going to have to learn to appreciate spiders because this spider isn't going anywhere.
3: Okay, this guy's clearly never met humans, right? Because when we're afraid of something, we don't try and learn to appreciate it. We try and destroy it at all costs. That's what humans do. The scientists gonna sit there and tell us we need to sit back and learn to appreciate spiders What kind of rational bullshit is that? Pick up a broom and join the fight, you coward. You know, sometimes I don't understand nature. Why did it feel the need to create something like this, huh? Spiders that have parachutes and fly around? You know, with some things, you get why they exist. Like how plants put oxygen into the atmosphere and how birds evolve into chickens so we can make delicious sandwiches. But giant spiders? Was mother nature like, people's nightmares have become too boring. Let's spice things up. You can't even kill that thing with a regular shoe. Do you see the size? You probably need like a Shaq-sized shoe. Yeah, so thanks, spiders. Now I've got to break into Shaq's house and steal his shoes again. (sighs) And by the way, if you think a giant spider is bad, wait until we see the giant pig the giant spider is gonna become best friends with. This thing is a disaster. It's all a disaster. I don't know why everyone isn't panicking. I mean, it's probably because scientists say that we actually shouldn't be worried. That's that's what they say. Uh, These spiders are actually completely harmless to people. Yeah, they're not even bad for the ecosystem, which, Actually, it makes me feel a little bit better. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, because last night I, I had a dream that those spiders crawled into my ear and they laid eggs in my brain. And then now, every, every time I keep quiet, I feel like I can hear something.
4: Anyway, dreams are weird. Desi, are you, are you freaked out by spiders? Nah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid of these spiders coming to New York at all. No, because nothing can be more devastating than Spider-Man on Broadway. Like ruptured eardrums, broken bones, bad reviews. Terrible, nothing can be worse than that. Plus, I feel like the Manhattan cockroaches have just kind of gotten complacent lately with the pandemic. Like they don't even scatter when you turn the lights on anymore. I come home and turn the lights on and they're like, ah, Desi, you're home late. Like very confident. So I'm excited about these spiders.
3: You have a, an interesting perspective on life. I like yeah.
4: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> All
3: right, let's move away from spiders to someone else who's got America ensnared in her web. I'm talking about Kim Kardashian, influencer, business mogul, and Instagram's final boss. To promote the new Kardashian show that's launching on Hulu, Kim and her sisters gave an interview to Variety where they talked about their lives and their business strategies. But one clip that's gone viral has rubbed many people the wrong way.
1: Kim Kardashian has sparked outrage among some people after offering women career advice during a recent interview with Variety magazine. Here's what she said.
4: I have the best advice for women in business. Get your ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. That's you have to, so true. You have to surround yeah. yourself with people that want to work. No toxic work environments and show up and do the work.
3: Okay. 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 I know. I know a lot of people are pissed off at Kim. I know. But if I'm being perfectly honest, I can see this thing from both sides. I honestly can. Like, I can see it from from Kim's side. I can see it from Kim's side. You know? She's like... You guys think I just take a few pictures and I go to a few events and then suddenly I'm rich and famous and you think it's easy, but it's not easy. And I understand that, I understand that. Kim does a lot of work. She grinds all the time. She's a shrewd businesswoman and she's a mom to Kanye and the kids. But, but part of this idea that people have of Kim is Kim's fault. I mean, think about it, for decades, the thing that she's sold is not work. Yeah, in fact, she works really hard to look like she's not working hard. Every photo on Instagram, she's either on a beach or in a pool or in a hot tub. Basically any relaxing body of water, she's there, you know? So I get why people have the idea that she doesn't work because you don't see it. You know, I mean, I mean, maybe Kim should put that stuff on Instagram, you know, put up photos of late night meetings, constant calls on product design. I mean, you can still do it in a bikini if you want, but the point is, you know, people should see more of the work, they'd understand. Like take The Rock, here's an example. Look at The Rock, right? Because of his social media, I know what it takes to become the rock. I know if I'm gonna try to become like him, I've gotta wake up at 4 a.m. every day, lift every weight in the gym, and try not to laugh every time I have to work with Kevin Hart. I mean, how can you not? He's like the, he's a human, but he's like the size of like a, a little dog. Kevin, I got you. Oh Kevin, he's like, he's in my pocket right now. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but here's the thing that maybe Kim Kardashian doesn't understand it can come off as extremely condescending to tell women that the reason they're not successful is because they're too lazy to get off their asses and actually work. Because yes, Kim Kardashian works hard, but you know who else works hard? Most women. But what their asses don't have is Kim's luck to be born into a rich family with a famous lawyer parent and an even more famous Olympian stepparent. And all the access and the connections that that brings you. Think about it, if you're lucky if you're lucky to have that, then yeah, there's a good chance that your hard work is gonna make you successful. But don't forget how much luck has to do with that success. Anyone who says, just work hard and things will work out, those people are forgetting a major component known as luck. A lot of people work hard and they're still broke. In fact, a lot of the time, the broker you are, the harder you probably work. Yeah, my grandmother worked 10 times harder than me, but I'm bowling circles around that woman. Yeah, you hear that, Gogo? <laughs> you can't touch me. You can't touch me. And by the way, happy birthday, Gogo. She just turned ninety-five. Yeah, yeah, she did. So, uh, just think about it. I get it from everyone's point of view. You know, Desi, like, as a failed Instagram influencer yourself, like, what do you think about this?
4: Well, I'm not so much failed as blocked. It's more of a legal issue, but we're getting into semantics. I know. I feel like. For Kim, she didn't really have the time to go into the fact that she was born into privilege in such an expanded way. So I feel like this was her short answer, right? It's the, okay. it's the I drink a lot of water of the finance world. Like when you know celebrities spend 30 hours a week looking as gorgeous as they do, and they're like, I drink a lot of water. Ah. I feel like that's kind of what she was doing, okay. right? Okay. But telling women to work hard isn't wrong. I mean, that's not bad advice, in fact, it's kind of inspiring to me. I mean, she's right. I gotta get off my ass and stop doing nothing with my life. I mean, literally nothing. Look at, look at me, like doing nothing. What am I even doing? Well,
3: I gotta- I don't, I don't think you're doing nothing. Desi. I gotta do something. You know? No, no, Desi, you, 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 you're working here. I gotta you gotta do something. Desi, you have a job.
4: I'm gonna get a job. I'm gonna get a, I'm gonna get a job.
3: Desi, you have, a, you have a job.
4: No, I mean like a real job. You can keep me on payroll though.
3: Did she just say a, a real job like what we do here isn't? Wow, that, that hurts. Good luck out there, Desi. All right, I'm gonna take a moment to process that pain and uh, while I do that, don't go away. Because when we come back, we're gonna be looking at the Russian oligarchs who might be the key to stopping Putin's war. You don't wanna miss it. Desi, you do have a job. Welcome back to The Daily Show. Ever since Russia invaded Ukraine, America and Europe have been trying to find a balance between helping Ukraine whilst also avoiding going to war with Russia themselves. Because nobody wants World War III. I mean, other than defense contractors and those people who sell merch in the trenches. But one of the weapons the West has been using against Russia is sanctions. Yes, which comes from the Latin sanctio, meaning to mess with someone else's shit. Yeah, whether it's military, diplomatic or financial, the ultimate goal of these sanctions is to turn up the pressure on Russia so that it ends Ukraine's conservatorship and finally sets it free. And one of the most significant sanctions America and Europe have imposed is going after oligarchs
2: tonight the u.s is moving to tighten the squeeze on vladimir putin and the oligarchs the richest russians who surround him the administration along with britain and europe introducing a raft of sanctions
0: targeting oligarchs and their families even president putin these tough new measures are designed to hurt those closest to putin figures who until now have seemed untouchable
3: now Clear targets. Britain's threat to the Russian oligarchs, seven of them sanctioned, including Roman Abramovich, the owner of the Chelsea Football Club. That club can no longer sell tickets, it can't sign new contracts, and it cannot be sold.
1: Italy seized an oligarch's $70 million yacht. French
0: officials seized the Amore Vero, about 280 feet long, with multiple VIP suites and a pool that turns into a helipad.
3: Damn! A guy has a boat that has a pool that turns into a helipad, woo. Do you know how rich a person has to be to have a mode of transportation that carries another mode of transportation and it sits on a body of water while it carries a body of water, that's money. I mean, think about it, a pool that turns into a helipad, wow. The only thing better than that would be a pool that stays a pool. Yeah, maybe it's just me, but one of my favorite things about relaxing in a pool is not worrying if a helicopter is gonna land on me. It's part of the pleasure I get. But yes, Europe and America are handling Putin the way you handle any breakup, by blocking him and all his friends. And you might be wondering, well, the oligarchs didn't start the war. They're not ordering troops to bomb hospitals, so why are they being targeted by the sanctions? Well, let's find out why in another installment of If You Don't Know, Now You Know. First things first, who are the oligarchs? And I know oligarchs sounds like a creature chasing Frodo in Middle Earth, but it's actually just a fancy term for a group of super rich billionaires in Russia. But it's how these billionaires got that way that makes them interesting
1: After almost 70 years of Russian communism, where the state controlled everything, the Russian people saw huge political and economic change practically overnight. For a select few businessmen known as oligarchs, they managed to rise to the top.
2: Soviet Union, uh, all land and all property was owned by the state.
3: In the 1990s, it was privatized, and the most valuable companies were landed in the hands of these business people. Uh, mostly oil and gas and mineral companies, under the Putin era. He took some of the assets from the oligarchs who had made their money in the 1990s uh, and gave them to his friends.
2: A lot of
0: money that's his, he has basically handed over to oligarchs for for safekeeping. They include Yuri Kovalchuk, the billionaire chairman of Bank Rossiya, is also the bank's largest shareholder and has been called one of Putin's cashiers, Arkady
2: Rodenberg. He grew up alongside Putin in St. Petersburg, and for a time was Putin's judo sparring partner. Yevgeny Prigozhin, a secretive oligarch, dubbed Putin's chef because his company oversees catering for the Kremlin and other state
3: agencies. Putin's cashier, Putin's chef, Putin's dog walker. They call him that because he walks Putin's dogs. But yeah, essentially, Uh, when the Soviet Union fell and communism ended in Russia, a bunch of lucky dudes were just handed the keys to entire industries that used to be owned by the government. And they became super rich. Yeah, those are the oligarchs. And when Putin came to power a decade later, a new generation of his buddies became oligarchs too. So clearly it pays to be Putin's friend. I mean, sure, you're the one who has to take those shirtless horse picks, but I mean, in the end, you get an oil company. Yeah, make sure you get entire horse and think a lot so I have options. But still, why sanction Putin's friends over the war in Ukraine? Well, it's because they're Putin's friends. And that means that if you maybe, maybe make their lives shittier, maybe they'll try to talk some sense into him. And let's be honest, man, that's, that's life. Rich people complaining is how shit always gets done. That's how colonization happened. Rich people were like, my food has no flavor. And two days later, the British took over India. Now, of course, to sanction these oligarchs, America and Europe need to access their wealth. But that's a question, right? I mean, how can you get to all of this Russian money? Well, because it turns out, none of the money is actually in Russia oligarchs around the Putin regime. Use Western countries, Western banks, and Western jurisdictions as havens for the wealth that they're stealing from the people of Russia.
2: Billions and billions of dollars stolen and then laundered through Western banks like Deutsche Bank, laundered through real estate in Europe and the United States.
1: Russian oligarchs have long used New York City as a place to park their cash in the form of large apartment buildings, often that sit empty.
2: Russian oligarchs have as about as much money in financial wealth stashed in offshore accounts as the entire Russian population has in Russia.
3: That is, in
2: many ways, Russia's Achilles' heel in all of this. Suddenly now, governments suddenly start seizing hotels, football teams, yachts, homes. It will certainly get the attention of of the most powerful people in Russia by hitting them where it hurts.
3: That's right. The oligarchs own shit everywhere. Real estate in New York, oligarch money. Sports teams in Britain, oligarch money. That couch you're sitting on right now. Well, I mean, you bought that, but check between the cushions. There's some rubles in there. And look, man, I get why. I get why these guys wanna buy football teams in London or luxury apartments in New York or park their yachts in Central tropez because I mean, let's be honest, spending money in Russia, that isn't as much fun. I mean, the yacht experience is just not the same if you have to wear a bathing suit over your fur coat. And look, for a long time, it didn't matter that these Bosch ballers kept all their wealth in the West, but that changed real quick when these sanctions started getting passed. And now they're all well aware that their assets are in bigger danger than Mike Pence at a Trump rally.
5: Russian oligarchs are scrambling to secure their assets as the U.S. works to enforce sanctions against the ultra-rich surrounding President Vladimir Putin.
4: Here at the Plaza Hotel,
2: a $50 million Russian-owned apartment is reportedly up for
1: sale before it can be seized. Oligarchs scrambling the commercial-sized aircraft to safe havens they hope will be beyond the reach of U.S. and international law enforcement.
2: They are also moving their yachts, tracking data showing many of their large vessels sailing toward the Maldives where they will be harder to seize. Now, as pressure grows on the ultra-wealthy, some oligarchs are starting to call publicly for an end to the war. We've counted up
4: to eight billionaires who have spoken publicly, which is really unprecedented. This has never happened before.
3: Yeah, because of these sanctions and because they're afraid of losing stuff, a bunch of these oligarchs are already speaking out against Putin's war. Please... We must think of this war's impact on innocent children. That is the name of my yacht, innocent children. She does not deserve this. Please look at her, oh. But you can see how spooked these oligarchs are, right? They're moving their planes, they're sailing out to sea, they're swallowing condoms full of gold. And like, I know all of this stuff is complicated, but it does seem a little counterproductive that these guys have enough warning to take all of these measures, don't you think? Yeah, it's like giving your teenage son a heads up that a week from now, you're gonna look through his internet history. And by the time you get there, all you're gonna find is a Google search for, why isn't there a second Mother's Day? Oh. But the real question is, will putting pressure on these oligarchs be enough to end this war? Well, to help answer that, we go to our very own Roy Wood Jr., who is reporting live from International Waters. Roy, what is your reporting telling you? You know, Trevor, I've been hearing
0: all this noise about how evil and corrupt these oligarchs are, but... I've been doing some personal investigating, and it turns out these oligarchs are very decent, kind people. They're just good people. Oh, more caviar. Thank you, Oxana. Pasiba. Right. Roy, right. are you on a super yacht right now? That's right. I needed to investigate firsthand. That's why I searched up and down this yacht for dirt on these oligarchs, Trevor. I looked in the massage parlors. I looked in the cigar lounge. I looked in the casino. Then back to the massage parlors. Then I was on the deck checking out the sunrise yoga. Then back to the massage parlors again. I keep forgetting what we was talking about, man. Damn, this is a nice ass yacht, man. i tell you this much, boy. Roy! Nice yacht, man. Roy! Huh? What's up? Hang, hang on a second, man. Oh, breakfast champagne. Thank you, Oksana. You on the ball.
3: Okay, Roy, Roy, do you see what's happening? Your journalistic ethics have clearly been compromised, Roy. Whoever's yacht this is has bribed you.
0: Bribe? What the hell did you say to me? Well, to slap you with my new Gucci shoes. I don't want to damage the soles. They made a seal skin.
3: Roy, this is what, what oligarchs do. Do you not understand? They use their money to corrupt everyone around them so that they can get away with their evil deeds. Oh, so now it's evil to build a fortune on
0: the back of a murderous regime? Yeah. And I, I, the next thing you know, you are gonna tell me it's evil for them to launder dirty money all over the world, driving up real estate costs and avoiding taxes that can be used to help the Russian people? Yeah. And if I accept their dirty money and allow their personal assistant, Oksana, to rub me head to toe in truffle oil in return for favorable coverage, you are saying that I'm somehow complicit in this evil?
3: Yes, Roy.
0: Damn, I was hoping you'd say no, man. This is some heavy shit. It's a lot to think about. Better think about this over some dodo bird wings. Oh, yeah, that's dodo right there. That's a good dodo bird right there. Did he there.
3: say, wait, aren't dodo birds extinct? They are now. It was worth it. You know what? That's you enough, Roy. I, that. I'm suspending your reporter license. Just get back to America. Get back to America, Roy. All right, we, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, the great Sandra Oh is going to be joining me on the show to talk about Pixar's brand new movie. So stay tuned. Give me one more time, baby. Okay, that's
0: good. This guy, Roy, Roy. Oh, my God. You never had Dodo? We got some woolly mammoth down there in the freezer. Let it all out for you.
3: Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is Emmy-nominated actor Sandra Oh. She's here to talk about starring in the new Disney Pixar film, Turning Red. I love it. Sandra Oh, welcome to The Daily Show.
5: Oh, it's good to be here.
3: It is so good to have you here. And congratulations on being part of, I think it's an instant classic immediately.
5: I really, really hope so. I mean, it's an amazing thing to be a part of, like, the Pixar canon. It's, like, crazy. You know what I mean? And then it really, really unabashedly talks about like puberty, about a changing of a young woman's body, about menstruation, and then also about, like, mom, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta give me some space. So, you know, playing the mom, it was, uh, it was a really great thing to kind of lend that voice, my little way voice to that.
3: It's a fun... You know, it, it's so interesting to me how Pixar has found a yeah. way to tell stories that people are almost afraid to tell in any other medium now. You know, Mm. Pixar's talking about mental health. Pixar's talking about life and death. Uh Pixar's now talking here about puberty. And in like a very real way where I think parents, kids, it's almost like Pixar is taking over the role of, you know, the conversations that people don't want to have. You know, if you have kids and you're like, "Oh, uh, puberty's coming. Let's go watch a Pixar (laughs) movie. Let's go. Let's go have a Pixar (laughs) moment." But I
5: think that's like, it's like, so my friends who have taken their kids, particularly like eight to twelve, who are right before it, uh, they've struck up a conversation. My friend, she has a you know eight, nine year old kid, and he was like, "What's a pad?" I love that. Right? And then she's like, okay. He's asking me a question about it. Let's talk about this. These... What are hormones? Oh my gosh, someone was telling me that they had a conversation with their 12-year-old uh, or 10-year-old about metaphor. Do you know what I mean? So like the panda, like, so basically the main character, Mei Lin Li, she's like yes. a 13-year-old yes. Chinese-Canadian girl, right? When she uh, gets overwhelmed, like puberty, that she poofs into this giant red panda, right? But the panda is like a metaphor for a lot of stuff. So even just to have the discussion of what is metaphor, I mean, come on. I love that. Yeah.
3: Is it true that somebody told you, I think it was an agent, that you should just leave America? Yeah. They were like, go home. You, yeah. you, there's, there's no room for you. And they weren't saying it to you, like, get out of here. They were saying like, hey, I'll be honest with you, Yeah. an Asian actress, man, there's, there's yeah. no space for you in this industry.
5: yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like... Crushing? Do you know what I mean? Like you're 21 and you have like a certain amount of credits, you know, at, you know, having been born and raised in Canada at that point, I've already done films. Right. I've already done like A-list theater. You won awards. A yes, won awards. And it just like didn't matter at that time. So, but we're talking about, you know, the mid nineties, wow. right? So it's like, again, it's like some of the projects that I'm working with it's amazing to age because you get, like, perspective, right? So, like, I'm doing, like, a press tour with Domi. She's a millennial, our director, right? Mm-hmm. And these t- all these young girls, right? Rosalie Chang, she's, she's 16. Maitreyumi uh, Ramakrishnan, she's, like, 20. And it's, like, I feel, like, so great to go, girls, you know, welcome. And to kind of help them out a little right, bit. Right, right, right. Because... I'm not saying that everything has changed and we can't stop kind of working at, you know, I I hate kind of like the word like diverse storytelling because I feel it's like, well, I don't know. And, you, you, you know us, you know what it is sometimes.
3: Know? Sometimes it feels like people use it as, like, a tokenism thing. People use it as, like, a pandering. I think of it as originality. That's how I think of it.
5: That's it's exactly it. You know? It's like, you know... It's like,
3: it's like, at some point, stories all become the same. Yeah. Okay? And then the more you try and branch out and find new stories to tell, you have to find new people yes. to tell those stories with. And yeah.
5: I find that becomes more interesting. That, you know... it. Absolutely. I totally agree. And the fact that it's also, like... Uh, so Domi, right, the she 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 did an, uh, the, her uh, Oscar-winning short, Bow. And then, so right. So that. she was picked up by uh, Pixar, I want to say, like out of Sheridan College. She's so talented. And then after that, then she got her shot to do this because they're smart. I'm sorry, Pixar is smart. They're <laughs> like, they, they, the way that they consciously make films, it's all about the filmmaker, right? Yeah. And that whole thing about originality, uniqueness, it's like we want to grow the storytelling canon because I feel... You know, I get this this question a lot, which is like, "Oh, you work with women a lot, like <laughs> you know what I mean you look at like women a lot." And it's like, it's true, it's true because that's who hires me, by the way. So all throughout my career, the majority of people who I've worked with regarding like writer directors, right, Interesting. women, women of color, right. So what is it? One, why did I, why do I work with them? One, they hire me, but two, I think now it's like, oh, because you know. Shonda Rhimes is writing characters from her perspective as a woman. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is yes. writing her perspective as a woman. Yes. Same with, obviously, Domi Shi and this other movie that I'm coming, coming out, Umma, by Irish Shim. It's like a young woman's perspective. So she wants... So that's that's what's interesting. Yes. Because it's like coming from a point of view that I'm interested in, they're interested in, like, you know, me doing the work for them. And so that... That's how it's worked out so far. I think it. I think it's working out uh, for the
3: best. <laughs> I mean, no, really. As as a as a viewer, as yeah. a consumer, I love it. I get to enjoy it. I mean, I'm sad that Killing Eve is coming to an yeah. end. Yeah. You know, that's a that's that's been quite a journey. Yeah. And you've left your imprint on that. Um, what are you looking forward to?
5: You know, I gotta tell you, like, I'm sure, like many of us, this time during the pandemic, it makes it really. It really brought the thought inward.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, also at this deeply in the m- midlife part of my life, um, I think the, re-ass- the, the assessment of what is important and what I choose to put my time into is becoming more and more important. As me, like an actor, it's just like you just want a job. Mm-hmm. You just want to work. So one of the f- things that I was able to practice after grades is I'm just gonna sit I'm gonna sit and be uncomfortable because the usual desire to make a move or to try and get work or Mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean? Which is eventually, hopefully, um, the stuff that you have to grow out of. Right, it's hard. It's hard, Yeah. right? So I feel just kind of continuing that, taking, it's not like a little break, but like uh, being discerning. I love that. Mm
3: -hmm.
5: Discerning, enjoying the moment. Yeah. And uh,
3: yeah, at least we get to enjoy all the work that you've been doing for the last few <laughs> years because it's coming out yeah, now. It's
5: coming out, yeah. Thank you so
3: much for joining me on the show. Oh, and congratulations, congratulations on everything that you've done.
5: Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate you so much. All
3: right, people, Turning Red will be available March 11th on Disney+. Plus. You have no excuse not to watch it. Mm-hmm. Disney+, Plus, you've got it. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this.
1: So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. Well, that's our show for
3: tonight. But before we go, in honor of Women's History Month, the Daily Show has partnered with Lolly Lolly Ceramics to create three special edition Daily Show mugs. All month long, Lolly Lolly mugs will be right here on our desk. And each Thursday night, we will be putting a few of them up online for you to buy. So if you want to support a black owned, women run small business and look fresh while drinking your coffee, all you've got to do is head to the link below. Until next time, stay safe out there, get your vaccine. And if you see a giant spider, remember, you're more afraid of them than they are of you. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy
2: Central. And stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus.
1: 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, I take a closer look at an Internet character of the day. Take The Dress. Most people remember it as an optical illusion that went viral, asking everyone on the planet, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Turns out, that story was way bigger than just an optical illusion. It's a cautionary tale about the decline of clickbait sites, the rise of algorithms and internet polarization, and the end of fun on the internet. Seriously, and that's just one story. We're giving every character their 16th minute. So listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D Vyadaris. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.